housekeeping. Fab. So growing up, I grew up with my mum and dad and my brother and sister. I was the eldest of the three, so I was in charge. But something my dad and my brother used to love doing was Lego. Anyone like Lego in the house today? Fantastic. They used to spend hours and sometimes days putting together the latest Lego set, be it a boat or something from Star Wars or Star Trek. They would love it. So when Dan and I were married and we'd been blessed with two daughters who are eight and five, I thought I'd got away with the Lego. Because to be honest, I'm not that great at putting the Lego together. For example, you have a leaflet that comes with your Lego, which looks a little something like this. Millennium Falcon, 115 pages of instructions of how to put it together. We have gone for Lego Friends, which is the girlier side of Lego, which has a lot of pink bricks in it, and I'm going to show you some of that now. Here is our Lego Friends set. This, believe it or not, turns into a treehouse, all singing, all dancing. Now, one day my girls said to me, Mummy, can you build the treehouse? I was like, yes, because through God I can do all things... <laughs> And I started to put together the treehouse, but miserably failed. And we had to wait for Daddy to come home and finish it off. Because I'm not great at it. But all these parts have a process of getting to look like something fantastic. And because I'm rubbish at Lego, and Dan was a bit like, let's leave it to the experts, I want to invite Kenny Wilson to the stage. We can give him a big round of applause. And he is going to show us something that he has created. This is not Lego Friends, people. This is the real deal. And we're going to ask him a few questions about how he got to the place from bricks and parts to something that looks quite amazing. I would have offered to hold this, but I was worried that I'd break it. And when you hear the work that took into it. <laughs> okay. Cue the Star Wars music. So, Kenny, what have we got here? Millennium Falcon. <laughs> this is the one I did. This is the one Kenny did. So how long did it take you to do this? I would like to say three days, but actually two years and three days. It sat on top of my wardrobe for two years wow. before I decided that me and Archie would build it. Fantastic. And was there a, a process in getting from all the bricks to this? Was there step-by-step -step instructions? Step-by-step -step instructions. Um, there's also the fact when you get it wrong, and it doesn't look like the pictures, and you have to go back and figure out where you got it wrong. Um, and also the fact that sometimes when you're building on platforms, the minute you pick it up, it just wants to fall apart. <laughs> so a lot of perseverance goes on. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Kenny. Please take a seat and don't fall over. I'll keep this one. Cool. So as we've spoken to the experts, there is a process in getting from that to a masterpiece. And today I want to tell you, church, that you are God's masterpiece. That he has created you. And you might look at your life now and think, I look like a pile of Lego. But God is building something magnificent in your life to leave a legacy. That he has crafted, created you when you're in your mother's womb with purpose and plans and promises and things that only you can do so that you end up looking like the Millennium Falcon. So my message today is first to tell you that you may have chosen God with the, the sinner's prayer. At some point you came into relationship with God and you accepted him. But before that, he already chose you. If we can have John 15 verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you.
You are chosen and appointed to bear fruit in every season. You are called, you have purpose, you have gifts, you have talents. And today you might look like the Millennium Falcon or you might look like the process of becoming that because God is building you for such a time as this. And when in this message today, I just want to encourage you of who you are and what you're gifted to do. That you're like nobody else in this room because God created you as you. And there's stuff on your life. There's mandates and appointments and opportunities and things that God has only for you to do. So I want to encourage you, if it's fallen apart, it can be rebuilt. Because God is the master builder. I want to look at Israel. So we're going to pick up a story of Israel. And they've gone through a great time of triumph. They've been taken out of Egypt and through to the promised land, which was a journey and a half, as many of you will know. And they've come to this place. It's a brilliant place. But then what happens? They mess up again. It goes downhill. They get back into idol worship. They start to not trust God again. They get oppressors come in in the form of the Midianites, and they are oppressing the people of Israel. They are so scared for their lives, they are hiding up in caves, and they're hiding all their crops because as soon as they sow the field, the Midianites come and take the crops. They're in a bad place in history. And yet what I love is that God always comes into our mess and he turns it around. That he always comes to say, okay, you've got yourself looking like a box of broken Lego, but I am here to rebuild you and make you look like the Millennium Falcon. I might get some uh, credits from Star Wars for mentioning this. But Israel were fearing for their lives. And God couldn't leave them that way because who knows, he loves to come and change messages, mess into messages. He loves to come and change our situations around. And so he decided that he had to intervene again on Israel's behalf. And I love that he does that in my life and in your life. He will always come and intervene so that your future looks better than your past. And so we pick up the story in a hidden place. We pick up the story in a wine press that was actually underground. And there's a man named Gideon. And he is thrashing wheat in a wine press. In a wine press, you are meant to make wine. You're meant to crush grapes and get them fermented to make good wine, like Sauvignon Blanc, New Zealand. (laughs) Another advert there. But he was there thrashing wheat. And you shouldn't thrash wheat in a wine press because when you thrash wheat, you're trying to separate the husk and the grain and the straw, and you need a field for that. You need to be out in the open air thrashing your wheat. Yet there he was, striving and struggling in a hidden place in the wine press because he was scared of his life. He was so scared that he would be taken by this vast Midianite army. And yet God shows up and he sends an angel into the wine press to come and speak to Gideon, to come and say, Gideon, you look like a pile of Lego now, but I'm going to turn you into the Millennium Falcon. And we pick it up in Judges 6, verses 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. Now it's Christmas season. I think for the ladies, we like to get a bit dressed up at Christmas. We like to have the crushed velvet comes out, the sparkles, the diamantes. So I think, ladies, I want to say to you today, you're a mighty woman of valor in the house today. We have the men of valor, but women, we are valor. We've got a little bit of, you know, a little extra bit with us today. But the angel of the Lord was speaking to Gideon to say who he really was. Actually, you're heroic. Actually, you're fearless in the face of danger. Actually, you're the one that is going to come and deliver Israel on my behalf. You you are the one that I've chosen. You are going to stare danger in the face. And yet there is this man, Gideon, hiding, thrashing wheat, striving in a place that he should never have been in. Yet God comes and intervenes. And the story carries on in Judges 6, 6, verses 13 to 15. So this is Gideon's response to mighty man of valor or mighty woman of valor. 
Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So the angel comes and gives him a word. You're victorious. You're a mighty man. You're the one for the job. And straight away comes the questions. But where's God in all this? Look what's happened. I'm in this mess. Here I am. How am I going to bring us out of Egypt? Um, My clan, my family, my people, we are the least of all in Israel. And in fact, I'm the worst ever. And yet you're calling me to do this. How can it be possible? He instantly disqualifies himself. He instantly looks at himself and thinks, I'm none of those things that God says I am. And yet he is all those things that God has said he is. Like we are today, church. Like you are. You are the chosen ones. You are set apart. You are anointed, appointed, gifted, and sent out on God's behalf to change a nation to make a difference. We are the chosen ones. We are the called out ones. We are the ones who can be fearless in the face of danger. But he self-doubted and he unqualified himself from the role. I'm not good enough. How can I possibly do this? Do you ever get to that point in life? You look at the call on your life, your gifting, your ministry, your family situation, and you get there and think, how can I possibly function in all of this? How can I be built from a box of Lego to look like something amazing? How can there be purpose on my life? Well, all I'm seeing is all this scattering of bricks. But God is bringing us to the place of being built because his promises are yes and amen. And he will fulfill the call that he's got on your life. And there is more church. There's more to what you've become now. There's always more in God. I want to encourage you in that today. So maybe there's people here today and and you're thrashing wheat in the wine press. But God is saying, come out of hiding. Come out of the place that you think is bringing you comfort and keeping you safe. Step out of the boat. Come out and let me build you and rebuild you and strengthen you. As Kenny said, you had to get the foundations right to build the bricks. Come back to that place in God to be strengthened so that he can build you up and use you for his glory for such a time as this. When we think we're the worst person for the job, when we think like, how can I stand on the stage and speak to those people who are thinking, what on earth is she doing up there? When we get to that point of thinking, how can I step out and build that business? How can I be the person that goes and reaches the lost? When we say, I feel so unqualified and so not the right man or woman for the job. That's great because God says, brilliant. I can use you because it's actually me working through you that is going to bring about the victory and the glory. Actually, I love it when you feel disqualified because I will qualify you because I am mighty God and I can do that. So it doesn't matter if you haven't got the degree under your belt or you haven't got the Bible college scholarship or you haven't got the ability to do it. But when you step out and say, God, I'm going to do this, he will work on your behalf because he is the one that anoints you, church. There's two things I believe we need to have in order to serve God. And they are availability and faith. Availability and faith. All we need to do is say yes. Yes, when we're really scared. We need to say yes. Yes, when it's not comfortable, we need to say yes. Yes, when it doesn't quite fit in with the plan that we had, but when we choose his way, there's greater glory on the other side. And we need to have faith. We need to stir our faith up to say, well, if God is for me, 
Who can be against me? Back to the story in Gideon, in Judges 6, verse 14. Then the Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall, sorry, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? We are sent and called because God has sent us. Go in the strength you have, this might of yours, have I not sent you? So the confidence that Gideon could have is that God was with him. The confidence that he had is actually, if God is sending me, then I can go. If he says he's going to be with me, he's going to be with me. So that we can accomplish the business. We can step out in the gifting in our ministry. We can say, okay, I've come this far, but I know there's another bit that's going to be added to my Lego to look like the finished product. There is so much God has called us to. And we just need to have that confidence to go in the strength we have. Go with what you have. Because how many times do we do this? I can do X, Y, and Z when I have this, that, and the other in place. We do that all the time, don't we? Yeah, I can step out when, I, when I've got this amount of finance behind me. Or I've got that much of the Bible within me. Or I can go and speak to that person when I, I know exactly what I'm going to say. And yet God says, step out where you are and I'll meet the rest. I'll give you what you haven't got. Just step out in what you can do, and I'll do what you cannot do. Because that's what he does. He's got a miracles. And we just need to be a mouthpiece and go in faith and be available to say yes and do what he's calling us to. In Judges 6, verse 16, And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I will be with you. And it reminds me of what God said to Joshua after Moses had died. He said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you, Joshua. And then he says to Gideon, I will be with you. And he says to James and he says to Kenny and he says to Corin, I will be with you as you go. Because I am with you always and I will enable you to have the victory. Because the victory is mine, says the Lord. If he's sent you, he's with you, church. If he's calling you to do something that scares you, brilliant, because he's with you when you go into that place, because you are the mighty man of valor. You are the chosen one. You are the one that can go out into battle, fearless, knowing that God is on your side. God is with you, and you, he will do what you cannot. So just do what you can. Step out in it. And to illustrate this, I want to tell you a story of something in my family, in my life. Um, it's about my grandma, and she was called Sarah Irwin Catamol. And she was born in 1918, and she got married, had children, she had a nursing career, she served in Liverpool during the Second World War, and she was an amazing woman, and she was from Wales. And so I now need to do a slight accent for you, <laughs> because you know I love an accent. So she used to preach, and she used to say, the Lord will rule and reign, Sarah Jane. That's how she used to talk to me. She was an amazing woman. And her story was that she had a call of God on her life. Yes, she had an amazing career. She was a brilliant nurse. She was a ward sister. But she had that pull on her heartstrings. Her great-grandparents became Christians in the Welsh Revival. And she had that stirring to do something for God. And so when she moved to Colchester, she lived on Ipswich Road. And God said to her, I want you to build a church. And I want you to preach and pastor the church. Well, this was about the mid-1960s. That was quite unheard of for a woman preacher to run a church and build a church. But she had that call of God on her life to step out and do something else. Was she scared? Yes. Was she thinking, how do I do this? Yes. Was she determined to be available and have faith in God? Yes, she was. And she decided to build a church. So her and my granddad looked at different properties. And on the opposite side of the road, about four doors down, was this house with a really big, long garden. And she had a vision to have a church there. 
So the story went on. As we am um, telling the story, it's like the bricks are being built. This is years in the making. And it's starting to look like the Millennium Falcon, but it's not there yet. And so they buy this property, and her heart is to build a church. So they start with what looks like a little shed down the bottom of the garden. It was brick built with a, a raw, raw iron, what do you say, the iron corrugated iron that's the one um, roof and it was probably quite small probably from the window to about here don't know how many meters that is but they had this building and she started church and her heart was to reach out to the St Anne's estate in Colchester which was quite a deprived state probably still is now actually and she stepped out and started to build this church God gave her the words to preach my granddad was in this with her he helped with the finances and she reached out to the people and of course it grew God blessed it. And people would come and they'd send a minibus and, and hundreds of people would come and try and pack into this small little place down the bottom of the garden. And so she knew she had to build another church. But that took faith to build something else. It took finance. And so the people got behind it. But as I said, a lot of people were quite deprived. They didn't have a lot of money. But something I so remember as a little child was in my grandma's house, she had this long staircase. She'd open the front door and it's straight up the middle. And people on the estate would say, we want to get behind what you're doing. We want to see you build a bigger church, a purpose-built building, so people can come and meet Jesus. And they would bring their one and two pence pieces. And they would put them on the stairs. And every time we'd go and visit, there was piles of money up the stairs in the house. And she'd keep it there because she believed that she'd have this building. And as the years went on, she had that building. It was a purpose-built building. It was amazing. It had everything. It was so modern at the time, and it's still on Ipswich Road now. It's called Mount Zion Church. And she stepped out, and lots of people were against her. Who are you to come and preach? You're a woman. Shouldn't it be the man leading? What are you doing? There was so much opposition that would come. But she stuck her ground and said, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to step out and build this church. And she left a legacy because she went to heaven when she was 92 years old. And God blessed her ministry and blessed her life. And even now in Colchester, you say her name and people know of her. I meet people where their grandparents used to come to the church and their children, and now their children's children, would know of the legacy that my grandparents left. And even more to that, she was a woman of faith. And she trusted God. God, I haven't got the finance. I haven't got the know-how, but I believe we're going to build this church. And what was amazing is she left that church with no debt on it to the Salvation Army. She just gave it to them when she stepped down from that part of her ministry. Because I just want to say something to some people today. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. And when she stepped out of that place into something else, at 92 years old, she was still leading people to Jesus. We'd go and visit her on Sunday afternoon. She'd say to me, how was church? How many salvations? It was so important to her. She loved God. And stuff was rooted in me from the young age of a little girl this high because I watched my grandmother's life. And things that I saw rooted in her life were her prayer life. I would often go and stay with her and see her on her knees in a bedroom or in the vestry of the church praying. She was rooted in the word of God. She had a Bible everywhere. She knew the word of God and she had faith. She believed she could have that faith in God to literally move mountains. And it was incredible. And something I used to do when I was probably about 11 years old, because the church was in the bottom of her garden. I used to go and clean the church on a Saturday, ready for Sunday. And I used to love it because I'd have the whole place to myself. But more importantly, what I used to love doing was get it cleaned and ready for the Sunday. But then it was my opportunity. Because I would go up to the pulpit and there would be the microphone. And no one was there. And I'd look out and I'd go and turn on the microphone, which back then was one switch on, one switch off. 
Go down the back there today, it's completely different. But I could work it, and I'd go up there, and it was sort of up a few little steps, and I'd stand there. I'd turn the microphone on, and you'd hear that hum. And then I'd preach the empty chairs, because <laughs> it was something that was in me. And there were red chairs, I remember it so distinctly. And I would preach like my grandma, and I said, you know the Lord, he rules and reigns. And there will be breakthrough, and there will be salvation. And I would preach, and it was stirring something in me, but I was watching her life. And now that she has gone to heaven, it's almost like I can see how the parts became the Millennium Falcon. I can see a whole story. And sometimes it's easier to see somebody's story when they're here no longer and see the legacy they left. But what about the legacy you're leaving now? What about who's watching your life? Who's waiting to see the faith that you have in your life now? Who's seeing the opportunities and the risks that you take? Because somebody is and somebody's watching you to see how far you're going to take this. Are you going to step out for God into the impossible? And there's something that I know is so rooted in me because of that faith in my family. And you know, the thing is, I can believe for a building for Kessed. I can believe for our own building because I've seen it before. And I can believe for healing because I've seen it before. And I can believe for salvation to that family that you think could never be saved because I've seen it before. And because it's something that's rooted in me. And I want to say, church, we need to get rooted in our prayer life, in our faith, and in our word. And we can go out and we can be strong and we can just see the miraculous come about. So be encouraged. I love what it says in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I just love that. Get rooted in God. And you know what? There's nothing to fear. You will never fail to bear fruit. In the season when the drought comes, you know you'll be provided for because you're rooted in your faith in God and in his word and in your prayer life. We need to go with God's approval. Do you know, so often as people, we look for man's approval, don't we? Well, what will they think? What will they think? That's what we do. And I know Pastor Barry did a message on it the other week, but it doesn't matter what people think, but it matters what God thinks. And if you've got God's approval to go out and step out in your call and your ministry and your gifting, which is so different from mine and so different from the person next to you, you don't need anybody else's approval except God. And God has sealed you with his approval because he says, I chose you. You didn't chose me. I chose you. And I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out, church. If we just do what he asks, he'll do the rest. Yet we wrestle, don't we? Yet we're in the wine press and we're thrashing that wheat, providing, being self-sufficient, doing it for ourselves, doing it our way. Yet we need to come out of the wine press and onto the battlefield and see how God leads us. So Gideon gets to the point of obeying. He gets over his hissy fit of saying, I can't do this, and, and who am I, and, and all this stuff. And he says, okay, God, I will trust you. The angel had turned up, you know, amazing, isn't it? Who's had a message from an angel in person? No, Gideon got that. Come on, the message is from angel in person. But he believed God, and he said, okay, I'm going to go with it. So there he was with a, quite a decent army, 32,000, against 135,000 of the Midianite army. That is big, 135,000. And there he was, and just when he thinks he's got it all figured out, as we love to do, we know exactly how we're being built, and then God throws in a curveball. He says, I'm whittling down your army to 300, 300 against 135,000. Where would put you put your money on of who's going to win? Because I know where I would put my money on. But God said, I'll give you the victory with 300. I will give you the victory with 300, because then no one will look and say, Gideon did that. 
But they'll look and say, only God could have done that. And that's what I want my life to represent. I want people to look in my life and say, there's no way that opportunity could have happened except if God had set that up. That's no way that breakthrough could have happened except if God had set it up. And he will do what we can't. The ministry that we should never be qualified for, God qualifies us for. The healing that we can't heal, yet he comes in and heals. That relationship that is so severed and so broken that we know in our own strength we could never heal. God steps in, in his glory, and he heals it on our behalf. The disease that we cannot heal, God can. I want to encourage you in your faith this morning. It is God that secures the victory in your life. If you're just available and you have faith and you go with what you have. 300, 135,000. So I think Gideon must have got to that point where he thought, okay, God, I'm going to trust you and go with this. So the 300 were ready, probably had their swords at the ready. They were in their velour outfits, ready for the battlefield. And they go to step out, and then God does something else, doesn't he? Because I love it. I love it how he tests us all the time. It's never straightforward, but it'd be boring if it was. But we have to step out in what he says. So he says, okay, put the swords down. I want you to go out with torches, horns, and glass jars. Who would like to do that? (laughs) Okay, so they went out with their torches, their glass jars, and their horns at the ready. And God says, what I want you to do is I want you to hold your torches up high and say for the sword of the Lord and Gideon when you go into battle. Can you imagine what that happened? Imagine if you had to actually do that. You know, you're in the ring with Hulk Hogan and you've got to go and do something like that. You just wouldn't want to, would you? How did I get Hulk Hogan in the preach? (laughs) but what looks stupid to the world brings about the victory have you had to go out and do some stupid things for God have you had to go and say that thing is put on your heart and you think how can I say that to that person I've done that and I've said it and then the tears roll down their face and say you don't know what that means you don't know what you've said have you stepped out and done the most stupid thing you know we first started Kessed 13 years ago and Pastor Barry said right We're going up to the university and we're going to go and put a sticker on every car saying, welcome to church. That following Sunday, we open the doors of Kessid. We're like almost holding them back, waiting for the influx of students to come through our doors. And not one of them showed up. The week after, we didn't have one. The months after. But then gradually we got an influx. And at one time, how many different nationalities did we have? 36 different nationalities of students we had in our church because we were sowing seeds in the field back then that got reaped later on. It was the foolish thing to do. Who's going to come from a leaflet on their windscreen? People chuck them in the bin. But people came and look at the students that we have today because of that stepping out. It looks stupid to the world to stay in faith and wait for the breakthrough. It looks stupid to the world to tithe your money. It looks stupid to your world to step out in a calling that you think you're not qualified for. To worship through the storm, isn't that ridiculous in the natural? To praise before the breakthrough. But God teaches us and tells us to do this because we will have the victory. And I want to say to you this morning that whatever battle you're in in your life, whatever you're believing for, whatever the circumstances, you will have the victory because God has given you the victory because it's for his glory he has the victory. So victory did come because Gideon's army stepped out and did the foolish thing. They held their torches high, they smashed their jars, and they blew on those trumpets and declared for the sword of the Lord and for Gideon. And on that moment of when it happened, do you imagine that moment? You know when you're on the brink of something, you're like, God, you've got to come through now. And he came through. And when they're on the brink of it, the Midianites got up and something happened. Chaos happened on that battlefield because they went around and killed each other. 
The Midianites saw the soldier on their side and they stabbed him. They killed them. They cut them down and 135,000 fell at the feet of the 300. Because God got the glory. Because the victory came. His promises are true. Yes and amen. He does not lie. The least likely had the triumphant victory. Maybe today you think, I'm the least likely. I'm the least likely. I'm going from that to that Millennium Falcon. But I'm the least likely for the job. But you're my chosen one. And I've called you for such a time as this because I want to bring about the breakthrough in your life, in your family, in your situation, because I'm on your side. The victory is mine, says the Lord. We just need to obey and go. And I see people here today that there's been a stirring within you. There's been stuff that you feel like, actually, I look a bit like this at the moment, but I know there's some stuff going on in me. And I see as the church as a whole, not just this church, the church, that there is some roots going down in the church. And Lewis, would you be able to come and tinkle for me? Um, there's, there's some roots that have been going down deep into people. And it's rooting us in the word of God and in faith and in prayer. There's some roots going on. And, and from the surface of your life, people might be looking at you now and thinking, okay, you've got this call on your life, you're following Christ, and you're believing for this, that, and the other. But there's not been a lot going on. And as I started to study this, I listened recently to something about the bamboo plant. Never knew this. Not a gardener. Like a bit of gardening, but not a gardener. And with the bamboo plant, there's something really amazing that happens. When the seeds are sown of the bamboo, it goes into the ground and the roots are so durable and so strong that they go really, really deep. And they start to go deep and spread out. And then sprouts come off the roots, not the ones at Christmas, but, you know, sprouts of the root. And they start to go spread out across the ground. And they go deep and deep and deep. But from the surface, you can go out there with your gardening gloves and look. And there's nothing. Can't see anything. You come out the next week. There's nothing. Can't see anything. Keep going. And yet your neighbor's got their roses and they've come up beautifully. And you can see their garden is looking amazing. And yet your bamboo, there's nothing happening. But then the roots are going deep and they're getting nurtured. And they're getting strong and they're spreading out. And they're holding so deep down into the ground that something is about to happen. And something will happen. And then what happens with bamboo, it's quite amazing. There's some species of bamboo and they grow at the rate of 91 centimetres in 24 hours. So that's four centimetres an hour, bamboo. That is accelerated growth, church. So the bamboo starts to come up. So imagine that every hour you go out, get your ruler, four centimetres, four centimetres, four centimetres, four centimetres. And bamboo can grow up to 98 feet in height. That's massive. 98 feet. But for something that looks like nothing's going on, there's something going on on the inside. And I believe that for people today as I prepare this. You know, there's people here and, and you think there's nothing going on the surface. But God's saying, but your roots have gone down. You've gone deep. You've got deep in my word this year. Your prayer life has accelerated. You're standing on faith for something that seems impossible. And your family are saying, how can you even believe for that and trust for that business idea or that relationship or the things you're hoping to see God do with your ministry? And yet you've gone deep and you're planted in good soil, church. And now it's a time when the shoots are going to start to come up. And who knows when you've planted stuff, we've done this a lot in the garden, you're excited when you see that first little bit of green come through because it represents new life and it represents something strong. And yet it's bamboo. And I want to say, church, you're a bamboo. You're not a weedy little plant. You're not a daffodil. You're not something that will just blow in the wind, but you're a bamboo. You're strong. You're rooted. And now's your time to come out of hiding. 
Now's your time to come out of the wine press where you're feeling secure and like, it's okay, I can thrash about in here the wheat and I'll get by. But God's saying, I don't want you to get by. I've called you to have the abundant, amazing life. I've called you to come out and let me shape you. Let me mold you. Let me be the potter at the wheel who's going to shape off the bits that you don't need. Because there's some bits in here that I don't actually need to create what I want to have. And God is saying, let me trim them off and let me add the miraculous to your life. Let me build you. So it's time of accelerated growth. And I believe that for us individually and as a church in the new season we're going into, 10 weeks, we're going to be relaunched to something different. It's a new season. We're part of that church. So I want to encourage you in your growth today. Get rooted. Get in your word. Get your prayer life sorted with God. Get that communication flowing. And get your faith up to believe for the more. There's always more in God. There's always more. You are the limited of all limited editions of the Millennium Falcon. And God has got great things for you. So if you'd like to stand, I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. If you'd like to close your eyes just to give the people next to you some privacy, that'd be great. You don't have to. It'd be great. I want to pray. Well, Father God, I want to thank you, Lord God, for your word that is never failing that never changes, that is true, Lord God. I want to pray, Father, that through this message today, that people would hear what you want to say to them, Father. They'd hear your heartbeat through my words, Lord God. That you would strengthen your church today, Lord God. That you'd let people dream again and have hopes again, that they can be all that you've called them to be, Father. That you'd anoint afresh gifts and purpose and ideas, and people would start to feel you building them up today, Lord God. I want to declare that it'd be bamboo season over your church that there'll be acceleration in their relationship with you and in the calling and gifts that are on their lives, Lord God. And I pray, Father, that people would go away stirred this morning to know there's always more in you, Lord Jesus. Father, let us say, Lord God, you build us. You will build your church, Lord God. You'll build your people this morning, Father. And we'll go out, sent out, Lord God, that if you send us, we will go where you send us. That you just let us know every opportunity, Father, that you're with us every step of the way. And we would just say, yes, we will go for this. We'd have faith to trust you of where you're sending us, Lord God. So I pray in this season, Lord Jesus, that you would just chip away at the stuff that we don't need. And you'd build us into the shape that you've called us to be, Father. And that you would just bless your people this morning in Jesus' name. And I just want to give opportunity. If there's anyone here today and you say, I haven't even got that relationship with Jesus, but I want to say yes to him today and ask him to build my life. Just with every eye shut, if that's you, if you'd like to put your hand up, because I'd love to pray with you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Or perhaps today you say, I've had that relationship at one time, but I've just slipped away. I've been a bit like the Israelites and gone back to my old ways. But I'm saying I want to start again. So we're going to pray for both. I'm going to say a line. If the church would like to join me, that'd be brilliant. I want to thank you, Lord God, for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he died so that I might live. I want to say sorry for the times I've fallen short. And I want to step into a new relationship with you. Jesus, come into my heart and shape and mold me. I give you my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If we could have a clap, because someone has come into relationship with Jesus this morning. Thank you. Fantastic. Right.